Hey guys, this is Field of Vapor. Hey folks, this is Pete Bassardo. Hey guys, this is Ruby Roo, and you're listening to Smoke Free Radio. Hello, my fellow vapers. Welcome to another edition of Smoke Free Radio right here on the VP Live Network. And many of you out there in radio land and in podcast land listening to the replays here on the VP Live Network might or might not agree with a lot of the things that Russ, host of ClickBang Radio on Tuesday nights here on the same network, has to say. But man, his predictions coming out true or what? I mean, just last night I was listening to his replay. And uh, he talked about this attack, this attack that we're having in media. Uh, it seems weekly now. I mean, we had the formaldehyde scare. By, uh, by the time we got done with that, boom, California Department of Health. And this is just the beginning, folks. This is just the beginning. So, Russ, wherever you're at tonight, have a drink on me. Uh, you were right, uh, as was I. <laughs> so I hope people will wake up. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Three four seven three zero eight eight three two nine is the telephone number if you want to participate with any questions or comments. You can press one when you hear the British lady speaking. Also, tweet me at Vaping Greek hashtag Smoke Free Radio. Um, David Gorlitz, our friend David, will be joining us later on on the program. He has a lot to say. He's pissed, uh, and I have a lot. Of, I have a. I had a whole show planned today until California threw me a curveball. Uh, and of course, my social media and uh, and messages have been blown up ever since. But first, let me introduce you to the newest member of Smoke Free Radio, all the way across the pond, blogger from VapeMeStupid.uk. M, what's up, M? Hello, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, before we get started, briefly, uh, tell everybody about yourself. How long you've been vaping for? How long you've been advocating for? Uh, and uh, I, f- I find what really I find unique about it is you're actually from here, from the States, raised here in the States, but you're a transplant over in the UK now, right? Yes, that is true. 
Um, I actually first started vaping back in 2010. Um, Juicy Vapor was still selling their e-liquids out of their apartment Wow. in New York. <laughs> um, I only lasted about a month, though. Went back to smoking. Came over here, and because cigarettes are so expensive, and they're probably like $14, $15 a pack over here, mm-hmm. um, just decided that I needed to do something different and took up you know, vaping again. Found UK Vapors, and um, that's pretty much it. That was 2012, and I haven't had a cigarette since I think it was August of 2012. How did you get involved in advocacy? I know you've been doing this for a few years now, and uh, I've been following your stuff, and always, you know, we go back and forth tweeting and um, and, and trying to get the word out of it. How, how did you kind of fall into the advocacy sector? Uh, it was kind of <laughs> just as I'm a vapeaholic. Um, no, I, it kind of happened by accident, I think. Um, when UK Vapors got shut down in, I think it was July of 2012, um, we started up a forum called Planet of the Vapes. You guys did a, sh- a show on it. Oh, well, God, right after we first started that was, it. That was a while ago, yeah. Yeah. And I kind of, the advocacy thing came about because people in Britain are kind of slow. <laughs> They're a little lazy. They wait for everybody else to do something first. And um, I'm from New York, so we don't wait around for anybody. And I just kind of got into it and it kind of snowballed from there uh by the way what are you vaping right now right at this minute right at this minute i have uh it's mango and lime in a kangaroo sub tank on an sx 300 gravity mod i'm enjoying some formaldehyde laced with this is a new ingredient just came out today liquid nitrogen and it feels good man it feels really yeah. good i'll tell you um <laughs> Uh, the California thing broke, obviously, today. That's going to be, you know, the highlight of what we're going to talk about. And, you know, what I find really, really interesting is that, personally, I have been bitching to California vendors, uh, if if anybody that's a, that's a long-time listener to the show here, and from the Vape Team shows, uh, two years now, three years now, I have been begging one of the largest uh, vendor-based states in probably the entire planet, per capita, I think that they have the most stores and the most manufacturers, such an unorganized bunch. It is so disheartening for me after all these years that they have not, or, you know, at least gotten something started as far as an organization or something to combat this this crap that's coming out there today. And, of course, the California Department of Health released what they're calling, they're calling it uh, a health warning. They're not, it's not even, you know, it's not, it's not a law. It's, it's basically just a propaganda sheet. Everything on there, sentence by sentence, is complete bullshit. And, and they released this supposedly to go to public health officials, to go to doctors, to go to different media, to let people know not to direct people to electronic cigarettes when they're trying to quit smoking. What was your thoughts when you read it, uh, M? On the California thing that they just released? Yeah, I mean, what, what would you... What... To me, it doesn't make any sense. It's California's a medical marijuana state, right? Right. Yeah, if... They're so open about that. Why are they so against cigs? I mean, because they make money off medical marijuana. <laughs> so well, yeah, they don't make any true. money off it. I mean, California is strapped for cash. I mean, everybody knows that their their, their budgets are shortfall, and more people quitting smoking and discovering e-cigs, of course, is a big detriment not only to the tobacco taxes, but of course, the big pharmaceutical lobby that's there, and it's paying all these politicians out there as well too. Yeah. Um, however, t- just today, a great thing that I saw with Stefan and Mark Burton and Doug. Uh, 
uh, from Boilermaker and, and Lucky Deuces. The, I mean, these guys work really hard out there in California, and I see him. You know, I've seen him for the past couple of years trying to get people organized. They put uh, a, you know, an announcement today that there will be a meeting, and the meeting is going to take place. Let me tell you exactly when. Uh, February the eighth. February the eighth. Uh, the networking starts at seven p.m. The formal meeting starts at eight p.m. Uh, 1008 North Catalina Avenue in Redondo Beach, California. Uh, of course, you can contact Stefan uh, Didak, uh, Mark Burton, or Doug Hughes for more information. Um, obviously, the topic will be this California Department of Health uh, release. Um, <laughs> I saw a message, by the way, on on uh, um, on Mixler that says, I'm in Kentucky. I don't have to worry what California does. Thank God. Well, you haven't seen the bill that's coming to Kentucky this year because it's just as bad, <laughs> if not worse than the one in Indiana. Uh, so get involved in your state. Uh, and just because you're not in California doesn't mean we can't help them because we have to raise awareness. It's going to come to your state next. All right. So back to what I was saying is um, they're going to have a meeting. And, and obviously, they're going to talk about this California thing. My suggestion would be sue him. I mean, I don't see how else you can turn around such a bad publicity that this health warning is going to cost to these businesses in California. I mean, you not only do you have to sue him for, for, for misinformation and propaganda, you also have to sue him for loss of income. I think that's the only way that we're going to be able to get these Department of Health. I mean, saying that what they released caused you financial harm. It, it made you fire employees. It made you put people out, out in the street. I think that is the only way we can turn this. I don't even know if that's possible. M, I think it is. It should be. I don't see why not. I mean, they'd, they'd have to show that after this this letter was released, that their business slowed down. I mean, yeah. I, I, I guess I guess they could if they wanted to, but that's going to cost a lot of money as well, too. Yeah, it is. And if they don't, if the companies there in California don't all come together and pull their funds, it's going to be one little guy going after the big guys again, and it's just going to end up in shit. Yeah, the problem is that it's always the same people bitching and moaning and whining. Get together, get together, and I always see the same companies over and over doing it. You can't have representation in such a huge state with ten vendors alone. It's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Well, for, number one, it doesn't show that your industry is serious, right? Just like we did in a right. federal level, only three liquid manufacturers represented at a federal level. You go to California, there's over six thousand, you know, combined liquid manufacturers and shops, and you have ten people show up at a meeting, even ten people to represent in the capital in California to defend this. You're not showing that your your business is even worth mentioning. These politicians are not going to be scared to ban you because they think there's there's only ten vendors in California. Yeah, if they don't if they don't know that there's six thousand different companies that they're affecting, ten people aren't going to matter to them. If uh, I, I had this discussion here in Tennessee today with a lady that called me when she joined the TSFA, and I said, listen, the, the, aside from the lobbyists that we're paying, I think the biggest uh, you know, the, the the biggest advantage that we have is showing that in Tennessee we're organized, right? We have 60 shops, 700 employees. We have a workforce. We have an economic impact. And, and right. imagine how much that is in California. If you, Well, <laughs> I hate to say this, but from the valid companies, and you guys know what I'm talking about, from the valid companies that actually pay taxes, have business license, and, and, and have employees on staff and all that. I mean, imagine what kind of impact that could have if you go into California, if they go into the capital and say, hey, listen, you know, we represent a 1,000 companies with a workforce of 15,000 people in California. That is a lot. That translates yeah. to a lot of votes. And, and I think personally that <laughs> and, 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 and I think personally that would make a huge difference. But 
I'm preaching to the choir. I know. I think uh, there should be some pressure by the vapors there as well, too. And there should be some pressure from the community to to gather them up and say, listen, this is it. This is the final straw. I think if this release by the California Department of Health today is not the final straw, um, I don't know what is. Really. I mean, <laughs> I can't think what else would, would not motivate you to save your the, the, your livelihood and your future. Um, another interesting thing that I want to bring up in today, and today in, in, in this uh, Facebook group that I'm in, Doug Hughes brought up a good point. He says a lot of people uh, only think about dollars, and they don't want to invest money into to advocacy and, and representation. And even from a business standpoint for me, because I am a businessman, I mean, if I was a businessman and I had this opportunity to sustain this product, you know, surviving legislation and regulations, I mean, I stand to make a lot of money. You know, because vaping is the future. We know this. I mean, everybody's going to be vaping sooner or later, whether it's now or five years, ten years from now. Why wouldn't you want to be in business ten years from now? You're going to be in, in a position to, to make a hundred times more money than what you're making now. So then they're not even thinking that at that level. That's how short-sighted they are, near-sighted they are. They don't see the bigger picture here. I think a lot of it comes down to that whole mentality of it's not going to happen to me. And... When it finally does happen to them, they're going to be like, oh, well, why didn't I do something before? They had all the time in the world to do it, and they just sat there. It's going to be too late. It's going to have to yeah. be. I had, a, I had a, this, interesting, this, this gentleman on Facebook sent me a message that I found really interesting, and I'm just going to drop it in here in, in the discussion. And vapinggreek at gmail.com, if you want to email me your thoughts uh, or if you want to call in with your thoughts, let me know. But this guy said what the NRA does is a lot of the websites, because they're fighting for the rights for the, for the gun, gun rights, is a lot of the websites that sell accessories for guns and guns themselves and so forth and so forth have this option. So you buy a product, and the product is uh, $67 or $67.50. Uh, the, the software asks you, do you want to round that number up to $70? And they take the $250, and they put it into the NRA fund that goes out there to lobby. That, I think that is an idea that we can implement, especially here. I, I mean, I, th- I think globally this would be great because why Why do I bring this up? Rollygate made a post today on, on ECF, and I sent you that link earlier, M, that said that we, we don't need any more science. We have enough science. What we need is positive PR, right? And I think the only way a positive PR campaign would work would work globally. So let's say all the vendors across the, the, the world had that same option, just a couple of bucks, right, just a couple of dollars. Round up your amount from $65 to 70 or $66 to 70 and, um, and take that money and put it in a global PR for, f- fund to, to do the positive PR that people are asking. I think maybe it's just an idea. I don't know. It just, just came across, so I figured I'd share it with everybody here. What do you think, Em? I think it would be a great idea. I'm all for especially a global thing. Actually, I was talking to Stefan about this before is um, instead of just doing you know states, we need to have something that's going to be national, both in the U.S. and both here in the U.K. and in the EU. Um, we're so broken that we kind of we really do need to come together and figure out a way to raise up money to get lobbyists and people that are going to put information out there that's correct and not this crap that the Curvet campaign is doing. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's 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 a thought, maybe something that we can implement in the future because I always hear from vapors, what can I do to help? What can I do? You can't ask vapors to pony up the money that we need to do this, all right? I mean, you're talking about a lot of money, a lot of money for PR. So, 
here's a chance that can donate a couple of dollars, and you think a couple of dollars is not a lot. We've got a couple million, do- you know, vapors in the United States. Uh, the, I don't know in the EU the latest figures, but I can guarantee you there's over $5 million combined. Um, can you imagine $2 from everyone? You know, there you go. you got $15 million already in a, in a PR c- campaign fund that could give some positive PR. I don't know. Just a thought, vapinggreek at gmail.com if you want to share your thoughts on how that would work. Uh, by the way, <laughs> you know, um, what I was saying earlier is with, with, with Doug is, you know, he, he, he said that, 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 short-term, that short-term vision that a lot of these vendors have, right? They're not looking at the bigger picture. What can we do as vapors, and What can vapors do to change that and let these vendors know that, listen, if you're not going to help us, because I think, you know, when I say that, people say that I'm trying to shun vendors, and that's not true. What I'm, what I'm trying to show is that a lot of vapors are passionate about vaping, right? You know, you quit smoking. You've helped 10 people quit smoking. You feel you feel empowerment, and, and you, you feel good because you've done something in your life, right? So you have that passion. Yeah. Should vapors should vapors pressure their vendors to do something about advocacy and do something about this product? Yes, definitely. I think they should. I've been saying that. That's probably one of the biggest things that I've said since I've started vaping is why aren't the vendors doing more? They're the ones that are making the money off of us. They should be the ones that are supporting and funding all of this. But it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to to be having any effect. It really isn't. I mean, the fanboyism and the and the and the you know the, the freebies and all, I guess maybe that takes second. I mean, maybe advocacy takes second second seat to that. I don't know. I th- I think at the end of the day, a lot of these vendors realize that no matter what they do, these people are still going to need their vape gear. They're going to still need their e liquid. They're going to still want the next new hot item that's coming out. And regardless if they, you know, say, oh, I put $500 towards Sparkslinus' new study or I've raised $200 for autism, no matter what, they're still going to have a customer. And if one customer says, well, you're not doing enough, so I'm going to, you know, fuck off and go somewhere else, there's always going to be a new vapor to replace them. So they're not losing any money. Uh, speaking of vapors that are passionate, uh, Roger sent me some buttons uh, in the mail this week that say, I vape, I vote, and a couple of them were pink. So I will run proudly all the events that I go now, every conference, if I go to Washington, everywhere I go, I'm going to wear this. I'm going to Matt Bradley's uh, grand opening of the second store in Seattle in a few weeks. I'll be wearing it proudly. So thanks, uh, Roger, for that. Um, lastly, lastly, uh, and I think what's, what's really, really important to bring up uh, before we get into some more topics and bring on our guest, <clears throat> what we have to bring up is science. There's a huge debate going on right now on ECF. If we need science, and the reason why I bring this up is I – I literally have whored myself out to China to get them to donate money for studies. And now I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm questioning myself if I'm doing the right thing. Because today I saw Rolly Gates post on ECF. Then I, I posed the, the question in a Facebook group where a lot of advocates hang out. Is, do you believe that we need science? Do, do you think that we have enough science and all we really need is legal representation? I don't think we have enough yet. There's still so much more that can be found out. And the more information that we have, the better our public campaign is going to be because if we can counter all of this negative propaganda that's coming out with factual truthful information regardless if anybody's actually listening to us or not at least we have the information information's power i have to agree with you okay i was i was i was second guessing myself and then lou from aimsa shot me over this link, which I had seen before and I just kind of forgot about it, but it talks about the March public workshop on electronic cigarettes and public health that the FDA is holding. And, uh, and, and this is part of the questions that they have. 
um, toxicological, uh, toxicological considerations. Uh, how can evaluations of the short and long-term effects of e-cigarettes and users be approached? What are the potential roles of non-clinical models? What in vitro and valuable models can be utilized for comparing toxicity between tobacco products? What biomarkers of exposure? Biomarkers of exposure is something that I talked about, by the way, in China. I made it part of my presentation, and everybody looked at me like I was from another planet, which I was, literally in China. I was from another planet. But biomarkers are what they use for, for cigarettes, right? Uh, no tests have been done. Um, where are aerosols delivered or deposited in the humans? Where is the actual the vapor going versus smoke? The test like that has not been done. Absorption, deposition, uh, impact of systematic exposure, uh, aerosol constituents. All these studies, unless I am completely wrong, which I'm not, <laughs> um, have not been done. We really can't back this product up based on the existing studies that we have. There's, there's, there's hundreds of studies out there that can be done. Um, and I believe that it has to be done. I really believe that we need this um, to continue with advocacy. I think advocacy without science is weak advocacy. I think Lou Ritter was absolutely right when he said that. Uh, we got to have the evidence to back up our legal stance as well. Yes, definitely. So we will see what happens. I am very, very close to working out this first uh, study out of China, which um, it's basically it's it's a study geared towards the efficient and consistent nicotine delivery of second and third generation products. It's something in the EU that you probably know better uh, of what the WHO is doing and, and based on the the um, rough drafting of the language because we don't really know. But ha- this has been talked, right? It has been talked on how consistent and how efficient uh, mm-hmm. is nicotine delivered to the actual user. Another study that we don't have. We don't have that study. We need it. So that's what I'm pitching to them, and hope I've already got half the money committed by by some companies out there. Once I get the rest of the money, I'll make a big announcement. Uh, temperature study, uh, we should have something. He's working very, very hard, especially after this formaldehyde thing, to get something out. Uh, we had predicted at the end of this month, and I believe that the first uh, the first results will come out um, at the end or beginning of next month. So hopefully, you know, we'll see some um, some good news coming out of the good doctor. The one that everybody blasts, even advocates blast. Isn't that amazing, Em? <laughs> Isn't it amazing when people blast a, a cardiologist that actually vapes? No, it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to you at all. Huh? No, it doesn't make sense to me either. Uh, what else did I want to talk about? Uh, of course, uh, over the, uh, uh, the last last night, I don't know if you heard, uh, Gregory Conley was on a radio show. And uh, he literally gave a schooling on how to answer the tough questions when you're when you're on a, you know on a forum or on a, on a debate. Uh, even if you're not in a public setting like a radio or a TV station, if you're just speaking to somebody that's that's especially in the opposition in the ants in the ants camp, uh, he gave an extremely extremely well thought out interview. With uh, KQED Radio as part of the NPR network, and I want to play a few clips that I found really, really interesting from that um, uh, from that interview. He is up against Tim Gibbs, which is the senior director of the American Cancer Society uh, Cancer Action Network, and actually Michael Cranzi, the guy that was hosting. I don't know. Did you hear this, by the way, Em? Did you hear this um, the, this interview? Um, the one? No, I've only heard just. Probably the first 20 minutes. Right, right. So. You know what really pissed me off? The the host kept calling vaping vapping. And, and <laughs> yeah. he didn't do it once. He did it fucking 20, 30 times. I'm like, what the hell? How did this guy, how did they allow him on the radio? Like every time he said vamping, I was like, vampires? What the, what the hell was he talking about? And like he kept saying it over. He's from the American Vapping Association. I was like, what, what the fuck is going on? Kind of pissed me off so bad. 
Uh, eventually he got it right, but that was like 50 minutes in. Anyway, um, I'm going to start off with the, the first uh, piece that I've cut over here. And in, in this, uh, this piece, he talks about something that we hear a lot, right? When I go and talk to some of these politicians here locally, I hear this a lot. We don't know what's in it. This is Greg's response. Conley is president of the American, I want to get it right now, as in vapor, Vaping Association. That's an advocacy group for e-cigarettes. Welcome, Gregory Conley. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you. Also glad to have Tim Gibbs with us here in studio. He's Senior Director of Government Relations with the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. They're the lobbying affiliate for the American Cancer Society. Welcome, Tim Gibbs. Thank you. And Gregory Conley, if I could begin with you, uh, I want to find out, of course, why you're opposed to this bill, but uh, I suspect it has something to do at least with the argument that we really don't know the effects of e-cigarettes, especially on things like secondhand uh, smoke vis-a-vis what we do know about perhaps tobacco uh, products like cigarettes, regular cigarettes? Well, we actually know a lot about the contents of e-cigarette vapor. There have been dozens of published studies looking at what comes out of a vapor product. And the studies that have actually been properly performed have not shown any harmful levels of any chemical. Indeed, uh, a comprehensive review, the most, the most comprehensive review ever published in a journal called the BMC Public Health by a toxicologist at Drexel University, found that uh, over looking at over 9,000 observations of e-cigarette liquid and vapor found that there was no evidence that these products actually posed a harm to bystanders. And so unfortunately, you have groups that really should be in support of vapor products, groups that sell themselves as anti-smoking organizations, um, that they are willing to grab any evidence, no matter how weak it is, no matter how traced the level of chemical found is. They are willing to latch on to that evidence uh, because they are simply ideologically opposed are you saying, though, that despite the nicotine, uh, that this is not a tobacco product? Are you saying that it shouldn't be regulated? We are not saying that they should not be regulated. Uh, we would uh, be open to discussion about uh, better uh, enforcement of California's existing ban on the sale of e-cigarettes to minors. However, uh, these are not tobacco products. These are anti-tobacco technology products. Senator Leno, um, he misconstrued the Enjoy decision, the fact that um, the option was there to regulate e-cigarettes as a tobacco product had nothing to do with the decision of the judge. So this was this was a very this is something that I that I learned because I always like to learn and and better myself when I'm talking in a public setting. This is an anti-tobacco product. Is that like the most genius line that you've ever heard him? I mean, this is exactly how you school somebody. Let's not forget. All right. It's 2014, 2015, I keep saying 14, I did it at the bank today. It's 2015, and the big tobacco companies are in the game now. They're all making a, a, a vapor product. However, when we started, we started to get away from tobacco companies. This is a perfect line to use to anybody that brings that argument up. This is not a tobacco product. This is an anti-tobacco. This is a product that we use to stay away from tobacco. I think that was brilliant one-liner, and, and I think this kind of set the tone for the rest of the interview as well, too. I think it really – I think the, the listeners and I think even the host here, Michael Cranzi, after that line, I think he really understood it, uh, even though he kept saying uh, vapping. Uh, let me move on to the, to the next spot where he talks about toxins, another thing that's being brought up a lot. And chemicals. There are toxins 
that are found in the Nicorette inhaler, which is FDA-approved for cessation and is recommended by the American Cancer Society. The U.S. Pharmacopeia Convention on Inhalable Medication says that trace levels of toxins are perfectly acceptable because the principal, uh, the principal tenet of toxicology is the dose makes the poison. And unfortunately, in the e-cigarette argument, that, ar- that argument, which has been accepted by toxicologists for decades, if not centuries, is often forgotten and pushed aside where they just say any level of any chemical is completely unacceptable. But what you have to do, you have to compare these products, especially when you're talking about cessation in general, you have to compare them to continued smoking, continued inhalation of burning smoke into the lungs. Gregory Conley, again. By the way, that anti-tobacco line, I saw somebody post in the chat and I want to bring it up. I am suggesting to Steve Nair, owner of Mountain Oak Vapors, that we're going to start a new campaign. And under the signs of every store that he has opened so far and all the stores that he plans to open is to have Mountain Oak Vapors. And on the bottom, we sell anti-tobacco products. I think that's a great marketing. All the stores, get out there and do it now. Put signs on your store that says, we sell anti-tobacco products. You agree, Em? Yes, all right. I do, definitely. Let's, let's make it happen. Make it happen. We sell anti-tobacco products. Uh, a couple more things that I want to play and then we're going to bring on our guest. He's waiting patiently on the, on the line. David, I will get to you in just one second. Um, what is the other thing that we hear a lot about vaping? How it attracts children, right? How we are targeting and marketing to youth. This is what Greg had to say. uh, Sorry, go ahead, Gregory Conley. Uh, Both those claims are disingenuous. When you say 250,000 children are using e-cigarettes who have never smoked, that is 250,000 children, youth, have taken one single puff at some point in their life. So to use the phrase using, when all it means is that they've used at some point one single puff, is just and disingenuous. And then also the uh, CDC survey that he is referring to regarding intention to smoke, um, in that survey they asked teens, do you think you will smoke in the next year? Definitely not, probably not, probably and definitely. Any teen who answered, I probably won't smoke in the next year, was counted as showing an intention to smoke. It is a completely dishonest uh, measurement, uh, manner of measurement. And it's very unfortunate that that is out there because it is 100% disinformation. Well, there are- and, and, and there's another perfect example. Don't overload with information. Greg knew the study, knew how to answer it. He dissected the part that was flawed, presented in a way, in a manner that people can understand, right? Because that's... Sometimes when you have a scientist up there trying to explain, like Dr. F. I love Dr. F. But once he starts getting into the scientific stuff, he loses <laughs> everybody. He, I mean, it's the truth. I, I, I'm not saying that to bash him. It's just the truth because he's a scientist. He's not yeah. a public speaker like Greg. So mm-hmm. it's very, very important to lay it um, in a way that not only vapors and smokers, but society can understand, right? Yeah, definitely. Greg is Greg is great when it comes to speaking with people. He's really he's really approachable and just really personable. It's it's funny that there's even with him there's people within the community that are bashing him. It's just he's done so much for us. He's done just a tremendous amount, and he continues to give a tremendous amount. The last part that I want to play is funding. This is where I really thought that Greg did an excellent job when he he was asked by a particular caller. By the way, all the calls that came in, even pro or against, I think the calls were handled pretty well. And I think even the 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 moderator Michael Cranzi, except from the fact that he can't pronounce vaping, I think he did a good job and a pretty balanced. And he spent a lot of time on this effort. But here's Greg talking about where do these groups, the American Lung Association, American Cancer Association, get their funding from? Sure. 
it's partly ideology, and I think there is partly uh, a funding issue. You just had in the news last week, I believe it was a Pfizer executive, and Pfizer makes nicotine replacement therapy products, a Pfizer executive coming out and saying, yes, absolutely, these products have put a dent in our nicotine replacement therapy sales. And who is uh, one? who are the two uh, major significant contributors to both the American Cancer Society and their lobbying arm? Pfizer and GSK. GSK, there are documents in the EU linking them to lobbying in the EU uh, to try and make e-cigarettes uh, medicinal devices. And so the way I see it is you, in 2009, you had these new innovative technology products that had nothing to do with the pharmaceutical industry and groups like Cancer Heart and Lung that derive a significant portion of their donations every single year from pharmaceutical industry. Um, many people describe them uh, in state legislatures as essentially the lobbying arm for the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and so it's not so far out of the question to believe that part of this. I believe a large part of it is simply ideology with people who cannot stand the idea of a free market innovation that, um, is, that creates a smoke-like aerosol, but it's not smoke. So they are so ideologically opposed to smoking that they can't even stand these products. And then I also believe that at the national level, the national office in D.C., that these large contributions from Pfizer and GSK do play a role in their opposition. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. You don't have to believe. There's no doubt that they play. I mean, the millions and million, billions dollars that they put into it. But I'm going to put the replay in the chat for people who want to listen to the whole thing. I think it's well worth it. If you are in a position where you're going to go speak somewhere, listen to it. Jot down some notes like I did. I took a lot from this interview that I'm going to be using myself and, and present yourself in, in a manner where people can understand you and you give uh, you know facts. I think it's very, very important um, that we relay actual information to these people that are trying to regulate us. Yes, definitely. <clears throat> anyway, um, Gregory Connolly from the American Vaping Association. Uh, great job. Once again, proving why he is our hero. All right. I think that's all I had in my notes. I want to talk about Greece. If I have some time at the end, I will, because I want to bring up what's happening in Greece, and it's very, very dear to my heart. But uh, I do have a special guest. Uh, he's been on the program before many of times, and uh, always a pleasure to have him on. He is the former Winston man, uh, Mr. David Gorlitz. Let me see if I can get him here on the line. David, are you there? Uh, hold on a second. Let me make sure I got this right. I got him popped down. David, go ahead. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we got you now. All right. Ooh, that worked. Ooh, that was close. <laughs> What's going on, David? <laughs> How are you? Nice <laughs> to hear from you. Uh, nice to hear from you, too. It's been a while since we've actually chatted. Uh, I know we talk sometimes on Facebook. Uh, by the way, meet my new co-host, M. M, say hi hello, to David. Hello, M. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> Watch out for David. He's a, he's a ladies' man. Is he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I found, yeah. it, I found it really interesting before we get into it, David, because when you came down to Chattanooga, I kind of I uh, uh, found out the story of how you became the Winston Man, and I thought it was really interesting. Do you mind sharing that briefly? No, not at all. Um, back in the 80s, I was um, married with a couple kids, and I uh, was trying to get my foot in the door with acting and, and modeling, and I was doing some local work, and... Uh, in 1981, I was asked to go on an interview for um, a cigarette campaign, and I was one of 900 guys that was being looked at, and I happened to have been down to the final six. And uh, fortunately for me, I uh, won a 
you know, two-year contract and became the Winston man from 1981 through 1987, almost 88. Um, and I was their lead model uh, in over 42 different campaigns, and uh, I helped um, move more cigarettes than anything else and move Winston from number four to number two right behind Marlboro. And um, I did all that until 1988 when I quit smoking publicly on the Great American Smokeout. And um, after my brother died of cancer, and I was raising my kids. My kids were the new generation of coming home from school saying, Daddy, you're going to die, because all the teachers were now starting to get their propaganda from uh, the American cancer, lung, heart, which really wasn't um, strategizing yet. I mean, they had some people coming out after the Surgeon General said that tobacco kills. And so things started to evolve in the mid-'80s, and I was product of that with my kids, who was the new generation. So make a real long story short, uh, 1988, I was able to quit, not successfully, I quit publicly uh, on television. Uh, American Cancer Society picked me up as their golden boy from 1988 through 2006, along with American Lung, uh, National Cancer Institute, CDC, uh, Office on Smoking and Health, Surgeon General C. Everett Koop, et cetera, and Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids before they were even a campaign. So I quickly became the golden boy of what the anti-tobacco movement wanted to, at some point, goal-oriented, as they were, to um, get rid of tobacco for whatever their reasons was. And obviously, it was killing 400,000 people every year. So I became their lead guy to get in schools to get kids to never start. So that's basically how the whole thing unfolded. And I certainly wasn't real popular with R.J. Reynolds and um, (laughs) Philip Morris because of my activities. And I didn't care. Let me me ask you something, David. David, did you yeah. make did you make more money working for Winston or did you make more money working for the opposition? No, no, there was about for R.J. Reynolds. I was making about a hundred thousand dollars a year for twenty six days work. Kind of like probably wow. what you make. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, I wish. Yeah. No, twenty six twenty six days a year. They paid me about a hundred thousand, and of course you get residuals because I didn't do television. You know, because there was no uh, television c- commercials for uh, cigarettes after nineteen seventy one. Uh, so mine was all print, billboards, magazines, right. point of sale, you know, vending machines. So, but then when I went out to become the anti-tobacco activist, and um, they started using me because my goal was not to be an anti-smoking guy. I wasn't against people who smoked because I was smoking. My brother smoked. You know, you know, a lot of my friends smoked. So I, I, all I wanted to do was get kids to never start because I knew from my eight years as the R.J. Reynolds lead Winston man, that it was my job to get kids smoking, which is what's making me so angry with the whole e-cig thing yeah. of renormalizing tobacco and how it's a gateway for kids and all that, which don't even, you didn't want to get me started tonight on that. <laughs> but my story with, with the anti-tobacco movement was so ge- genuine for them because here they had a very plausible um, uh, product that was killing people. We knew that. Every, everybody who smoked knows it. Uh, everybody who, other than the seven tobacco executives who stood before Congress with their right hand up to God saying nicotine is not addictive, everybody knew it. I mean, yeah. so, and, but as long as you, you circled it around kids, nobody was going to stop me. So I started going into schools and doing my George Carlin-esque type comedy programs to get kids to never start by associating tobacco ads with healthy activity because every ad that i did showed me either mountain climbing or mm-hmm. search and rescuing and you know repelling off a mountain and obviously mountain climbing and smoker smoking don't go together but they would put into the child's mind that's what tobacco companies sold for years yeah. i mean they sold doubt okay and that's what we have it's that's so inherent 
and what I've been trying to do for the last 30 years on both sides of the tobacco fence. Right. So, yeah, I became the golden boy for about mm, 15 years for the anti-tobacco movement, including lung cancer and heart, and, and CDC and Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids with Matt Myers and the American Legacy. So I have a history on both sides of the fence, even testifying in Congress, receiving the World Health Organization Medal for my activities and anti-tobacco activities. So that's what I did. Yeah. And from one, from one end to the other, did. really. I mean, if you think about it, from one, one, one spectrum of, of, the, of the industry to the other. Um, right. And... and Let's come to let's come to the current terms because I, I know you you're a believer in the e-cig. I know I know that you use the product. I know you've helped Absolutely. other people use the use the product. And you know what started four or five years ago as a movement, as an anti-tobacco movement and and a tobacco harm reduction movement, I should say, um, has really it's it's really changed the last year. I I mean I I agree partially with which with a lot of the stuff that you have to say. Uh, if we agreed on everything, then there was no no use of me having you here. <laughs> but uh, but I think that mm-hmm. I agree on a lot of the stuff that you say and how. What don't you agree on? I'm sorry. What don't you agree? Well, on? we'll get into it. We'll get into it Slow, slowly oh, okay. but surely. We'll get into it slowly but surely. But you know what I want? For, what I want from you as somebody that's been in this industry for so long, even before e-cigs were around, uh, what I want you to bring up is what do you think is the, where? Where are we losing the the battle? Right? Where's our biggest fault as an industry and as an advocacy community? Okay. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to pull any punches because you, you know my story. You called me. Yes. You said, okay, okay, you, you know you're pissed, and we want to know why. I'm going to lay it out for you the way I know because I have 30 years of, of research and data. I've been like a stealth flying under the radar watching this thing, and I'm going back to 2007 and eight when I got a call from Ray Story to be president of the TV ECA uh, which was going to replace the ECA that was run by Congressman Matt Salmon. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, within a very short time, about three weeks after uh, Tom Kickless and Ray Story announced that I was going to be president of TVCA, I had had one year, maybe nine months, to really do my vetting of this product with Hanluk and the China people, and and, and everything that was coming through through In Life and mm-hmm. you know a couple other the ESIG brands that were. I really did my homework, Jimmy. I really tried to understand what was going to be my passion for a product that I felt so strong about in the e cigalite type thing, because there wasn't any mods in, there wasn't personal vapors, they didn't have it. So I thought, what a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to continue what I was doing, to educate people to, num- number one, never ever start tobacco as a child, you know, never start as a teenager, never start, because adults don't start smoking. Yeah. You know, I have never met a smoker over 25 or 26 maybe a couple who had divorces or alcoholism or whatever, and they started. But 93% of smokers start under the age of 17. It's a fact. Even today. We know it. Even today. Even all the work that they've done, even today, it's the same thing. That's what's pissing me off so bad about the e-cig community now because we're letting these people lie and get away like the Stanton glances, the same studies Mm -hmm. that are skeptical. We know Stanton glance is skeptical. We know what he's using. We know what Matt Myers is doing. We know what the anti-tobacco people are doing to just do what Greg said. The ideology is that anybody who looks like they're smoking is going to be ridiculed, chastised, and discriminated against. And we've let that happen. So let me jump back to 2007 and 8 when I said I'm going to do what I can to get every smoker that I know who wants to quit, because most smokers do. Not all. Most smokers, if they had a magical pill that they could take and they'd never want nicotine or another cigarette again, the majority would take them because as you get older, you know, you start feeling pretty bad. You're sorry you ever started. It's expensive. You smell. You go through that same 
bullshit that everybody goes through. You know, there are some diehard smokers who will go to their graves with a cigarette in their hand and will be buried with a pack of cigarettes. God bless them yeah. if that's what they want. But here was a product that I did my homework on, and I was so excited about it that I was going to really see some changes and because of my personality. I get people to listen to me. I'm a mm-hmm. motivator, mm-hmm. okay? But when a motivational speaker, like I was for 15 years, 16 years, becomes so discouraged and disenchanted with something that should have happened seven years ago, but nobody would listen. Nobody could come together. Nobody could get their act together to figure out how to best do this because there was no money, okay? Unlike the tobacco, um, anti-tobacco activism, which started around 1980, oh, I want to say 1985 and 86 when the thing started hitting the fan with this programs from the National Cancer Institute and the Surgeon General. Mm-hmm. You started getting a few groups here and there who are now getting grants to now have a lot of money to go after the smoker. Now, it wasn't the smoker itself. It was the tobacco company, but by uh, just by sheer association, you were going after the smoker as well. So uh, with me joining the forces, being the golden boy for the media, because I had a face that was recognizable, yeah. uh, kind of like the Stephen Dorff and the Jenny McCarthy's and all the people who are now who started out trying to be a face of vaping and e-cigs, you know, in the last three or four years, I was doing that. So I know what the rodeo is all about. I know how the game is played. The only difference is, Damien and M, is that in 1988, 89, when I quit smoking publicly and I became, I went to every meeting, I went to every think tank, I went to every brain session to figure out what can we do to get the public to understand why you, after all these years, are turning on the tobacco industry. Well, because we could. The product kills 400,000 people a year. Kids are targeted and marketed because I did it. I'm the one that targeted and marketed kids. I knew, and the tobacco companies knew, that kids are the ones who start to replace those who quit or die every day. So the difference between them and the e-cig community seven, eight years ago with the TV ECA, which was the only trade association that was starting up with Matt Salmon, and he backed out, so they brought me in. I lasted about three weeks, Demi, because I don't play well with others, okay? I don't go along to get along. I don't do what I'm asked to do, okay, because somebody thinks it's a better idea. Prove me. you got to prove it to me why it's going to benefit and help the cause, and nobody can do that, so I quickly went on my own, did my thing, and I started watching, and I watched, and I watched, and I read, and I started working in Europe and with the EU and with, with um, listening to James Monroe and Christopher Snowden and doing interviews over there with Bill Gibson and John, all these wonderful, wonderful diehard activists for human beings. They were trying to find ways. Number one, they didn't want all the pubs to close, and they, you know, now we have an alternative, and now we got the secondhand vaping being associated with secondhand smoking. So it really became an education for me, and I thought, hell, here we go. This is going to be the best magical pill for the people who really want to quit smoking. Here is something that they're going to be able to have the hand-to-mouth you know, habit, have the addiction to well, or their dependence on nicotine because they like it, and then we'll see what happens. And I started seeing all these people using these likes, and it was working. Well, it hit the fan. I started seeing all the you know new mods coming up, and then uh, In Life was going to come up with another brand, and then Blue was coming up with something. And then I'm thinking, I can't keep up with this because there's just so much technology that all I wanted to do was get people who are smoking 434,000 you know, pre- premature deaths every year, people are smoking 6,000 chemicals, gases, poisons, irritants, vapors, and pesticides. Let's get them 
four ingredients, which is water vapor, propylene glycine, nicotine, you know, et cetera, and glycerin. I thought, what a wonderful opportunity to save lives. And my intention was to really, really get my name out there and become a face for the electronic cigarette industry if I could because nobody knew where it was going to go seven years ago. You weren't even doing it then, okay? Well, in the meantime, uh, I just took it personally in the last couple of years, Demi, to be honest with you, that, you know, my activities, I, I tried. I tried to call anybody and everybody involved in the e-cig movement with the exception of Ray Story at the TV ECA because I didn't like his philosophy, his methods. We don't like him either. Approach to, <laughs> well, I didn't, so yeah. I wasn't going to do that. But then nobody else came along to say, hey, let's try something else. But I started seeing these electronic cigarettes coming up into the marketplace and the convenience stores and the gas stations. So in the last couple of years, I basically just laid low, listened to people, read, talked to people online, because the anti-tobacco movement didn't have the social media that we had now. And we could have done so much more, yeah. but we didn't do it because everybody got mad at everybody else. Everybody's yeah. egos were different than everybody else's. People were pissed off at this one. This one was pissed off at that one. Somebody, you know, I tried to get Craig Weiss and Jason Healy, and I tried to get Green Smoke, and I, Johnson Craig, I tried to get all these people to call me to do a sit-down and have a talk. How could we help? Nobody ever bothered to call me. And that was my conversation that I had with you, I believe, last uh, August or September before right, you invited right. me to Chattanooga. Right. When I said no one has ever called me, not from Safada. The only person I ever talked to, in all honesty, was Elaine Keller from Casa and Julie Wester. Okay? Those are the only two people through Facebook that I ever talked to. And Kristen Nolmarsh, they knew who I was. Everybody knows who I am. And I would post my Facebook comments to show them how people, how discouraged I was and what could we do, but nobody knew how to help me. And I didn't want to elect myself as a leader. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like to put myself in a place where, hey, let me do this, let me run with it because I'm smarter than you. No, I'm knowledgeable, but I'm not the smartest right. guy in the world do, to know how to handle this business orientation. You, orientation. David, that's why you got the Phil Damons, and right. that's why you, you got all the other... Huh? Right. Do you do you do you feel a sort of a resentment too against some of these? You know, I I, I you know personally my oh, belief really? my, my my belief is that I do believe that you are a wild cannon, and I think that a lot of people are afraid of that, uh, especially in this mm-hmm. community where everybody's trying to be politically correct. You know, you know, look at the pressure that even the advocacy groups are under, even within the community. You know, they're trying to work, they're trying to do the best that they can, and and even now mm-hmm. they're scrutinized, and, and and it's very difficult to bring. I mean, somebody like you, which I believe would benefit tremendously our our, our industry. Don't get me wrong. I think. You on TV can smash a lot of heads, but to put you in that position, I think a lot of people are are they're just not willing to take the risk. Do you feel a resentment towards you know the Casas and the Sfadas of the of the oh, advocacy yeah, world? That's, but Damien, this is an M. This is what it's going to take. It's going to take exactly what you said earlier when I was listening to the radio. It's going to have to take lawsuits to these people. It's going to have to call these people liars. It's going to have to be the ones we know are lying, the Stanton Glances and the Matt Myers. Yes, we have to face them. Not. Not Greg Gutfeld from The View. You know, not even Greg Conley, who I think is fantastic. I think yeah. he did a fantastic job. But he's only one person running the AVA, and I know he's in, in uh, contact with Cynthia, and I met them both in Philadelphia you know, a month or so ago. And we had a little – there were three people that showed up. Three vendors showed up for this whole thing that Greg yeah. put together. And I know his frustrations, and I don't want to see – 
the industry fall apart. That's why I've kept my mouth shut because I do have resentment. Absolutely. Let me let, let me read this. Uh, let me read this uh, this post that you made. The anti-tobacco folks have been silent for a few weeks, and here's where I don't agree, and I'll tell you why. But let me finish this up. The anti-tobacco folks have been silent for a few weeks, and that's because they don't need to try to bury the vaping in the ESA community any longer. The vaping in ESA community is doing quite well on its own. Mm-hmm. Just so you know. The radio magazines, reviews, the bloggers have mastered effing it up single-handedly. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, on, I partially agree. I partially believe that we have done some, uh, well, not some, a lot of mistakes. And and it's it's very hard to blame something in particular. I think there's a lot of reasons why we've done a lot of stuff wrong. But I don't think that the anti-tobacco folks have been silent because they have been working very, very hard behind the scenes, something that we f- have failed to do as well. Uh, and you're seeing that with everything that's being released now, these formaldehyde studies. All this stuff has been done in the background, and then boom, all of a sudden, it's mainstream media. It's picked up from every freaking news outlet in the planet, uh, and it's, right. I think it's a deliberate attack that's being planned in the back. That's why we don't hear it. And then all of a sudden, boom, here we are, and we have to defend ourselves. Right. Well, you know, defending yourself and defending the, the Safada and Kassa and, and, and Greg and at the ABA, yeah, you have to. This is the way it's going to be. But there's no no unity. There is no strategy going on. There's no conversations. But we're sharing them with everybody. The dirty laundry is out there for the world to see. You know, the, the problem we had with Carl Phillips, even that he had with Greg Connolly last year, you know, and, and all of this bullshit that's going on between this one to this and this one. I saw it myself. I mean, when I was down in Chattanooga, okay, I went there. I was asked to do an interview by Blake. I was asked to do an interview by with, with Smoke and Joey. I did them. They're going to do this, and then Joey Barnett, who I adore, you know, I, I, we're going to do podcasts. We're going to do everything yeah. we possibly can. Call this, you know, uh, uh, manufacturer out in Washington State. They're ready to do something. And I call them, and then we do nothing. You know, nobody calls me back. Mm. They're not going to get together because they're going to divest of the electronic cigarette post portfolio in 2015 because they know the jig is up and the war is going to be lost. This is what I hear, but I don't talk about it because, as I said earlier, my mother taught me not to say anything bad. Don't say anything at all. Okay? So I kept my mouth shut, and I've watched the interviews. I've tried to reach Patrick Butson. He's called me three times. His brother has. Never once in six months has I gotten anybody to give me a call to do a quick interview so I can help. Okay, so, yeah, I'm a wild candidate because I'm pissed off and angry because so much more could be done, okay, even on the shows like you, you have, Demi. You know, that's why you can call me anytime and I'm there, okay, yeah. because you are honest, you are out there, and you are trying. Okay, I came down to Chattanooga, and I watched, and I listened, and I saw, and I was interviewed by Blake and by Smoking Joey. They ran. I've never seen, ever heard back from them again, but it was the greatest interview they ever had, they said. Okay, so, but I don't have that kind of, you know, uh, need to have uh, all this padding on the back. I've done that. I've been there. My goal is to get every smoker who wants to quit to have a viable, affordable, regulated, safe product that they could use as a transition over to something better. That's what I've always yeah. wanted, but I can't get anybody to call me back. I tried. Cynthia? You know, she's never called me back. I had a selfie with her in Philadelphia. Greg Conley, who I adore, was going to do an op-ed with me. I never heard back. You know, Joe Barnett was going to do podcasts with people. We'd never heard anything. I, I just don't understand why yeah. we have a resource like me, and I'll brag, yeah, because I have a story to tell, and I have a way of getting the bullshit diminished with the media because they'll listen to me because of my history. We've got all these newbies out now who are running around trying to do something on the on, online, and it's just not working other than pissing people off, including myself. So there's resentment, there's anger, and there's frustration. Do I think the 
uh, anti I mean the anti tobacco movement is waiting for the e-cig industry and community to implode. Of course they are. Uh, we're we're doing a great job by ourselves. I, I have to agree with you there. I mean, I have to agree that we're doing a great job of burying burying ourselves. The problem that I have, I do believe that you that you that you have a fit in this community, and that's why I keep inviting you back, and that's why I appreciate what you have to say because you've seen both sides. You've seen how they work with the tobacco companies, and you've seen how they work with the anti-tobacco companies. You've seen it from the inside. You can provide a lot of valuable info. I still think, though. That there's an intimidation factor. You know, I, I believe the biggest fault that we have within the community is that everybody's very trying to be politically correct because there's a financial gain somewhere there as well, too. You know, you brought up Patrick Buttons. Uh, I, I like Patrick. Don't get me wrong. I don't agree with everything he says, but I, I, I like him. But th- he also has to sell ads in the magazine. I mean, it's a business to him. So he has to be really careful about what he prints and what he puts on there. And it's the same for every other organization out there. If you go on to Joe's show with a vaping militia, you know, they get money from, from vendors. And if you say something to defend one of these vendors, you know they're not going to give him any money. So you know we're we're stuck in a, in, a, in a huge pickle here. That's that I think is part of the the root of the problem. Well, that's why that's why you need think tanks. That's why you need a conference where you can get all these heads. You know why has Stoll Damon never once or Cynthia Cabrera ever called me? You know I, I have to call Julie to get information. Greg Conley, who I who lives twenty five minutes from me, we've never talked because he's busy, and I understand that. But I don't like to burden anybody with who I am. But my frustration is the fact that I'm a resource that somebody you would think who's running uh, a trade association that has to do with tobacco and kids and gateway and nicotine, they would bring somebody who's got some experience. I, I haven't made a dime. I'm not asking for a dime. Yeah. I'm saying I'm a resource that no one has ever bothered to call me back. And if that's fine, if they don't believe what I'm saying, but no one has disagreed with what I've been saying over the last six years while I'm on Facebook. That's my problem. You know, I've, I've offered it. I've called. No return phone calls. I've, you know, I talked to Stefan Didak one time out in California. He was going to set me up with Cynthia. Never did. And I like Stefan. That's why I don't say anything maybe, because maybe I don't want to hurt the cause. Maybe if, maybe if we hire somebody it. to be able to throttle you because once you start going, you never fucking stop. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and I say that in the, I say that in a, in a good way. Don't uh, don't get me wrong. I, well, I enjoy put, listening to you. 30, how do you put thirty years of experience? It's very hard. It's I can. It's hard to put five years of experience. It's very hard to put five years of experience. I can imagine how hard it is for you to go thirty years of experience. But the problem is that yes, and I'm like a stallion. There's no question. I'm like a stallion that gets cornered and and then i rile up okay but i did it for the anti-tobacco movement for 17 years i made them a lot of money and i'm sorry i ever did it i was my bad it was my mistake i perpetuated their lies and i want to tell the public that that's what i did i lied for the scatton glances and the matt myers and the american i lied for them and i have proof and i have names and i want to do it but no one is willing to give me a call to give me 20 minutes of their time say dave maybe you can help us here not not one, not one time in six years, other than race story, and you know how I feel about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if we get to the situation where we do have to go to a lawsuit or legal, I think uh, a lot of that information of will be will be will be valuable, and I think I think uh, it should be brought to light when the time comes to get to that to that. And I think it's coming pretty soon anyway. Uh, let me ask you something, David. Uh, something was brought up, you know, about Gutfield as well too. I'm gonna tell you what I think, and tell me if I'm right or wrong. Because, you know, uh, this community and, and vendors and vapors alike, when something like that positive happens on Fox News and you have Gutfield talking about vaping, they all praise him. Like, oh, he's a proponent for vaping, which is bullshit. You know, he only attacks the other side of the, of the fence. You know, if the other side of the fence said e-cigs are great, he would say, you know, e-cigs are bad. But, uh, you know, when right. I say that, people say, oh, you're just saying that. But that's, I mean, do you agree with me? I agree with that totally. You know, he's doing it for the entertainment value, Okay. 
yes, it worked for him. It's a personal thing. He, he quit smoke. I heard him yesterday on something. He, he quit smoking. He, he hasn't had a regular cigarette in a year and a half. He loves it. He vapes every day. He, he's a proponent of it. He's strong. He's doing it for entertainment because he cannot do more than that because it would rep, you know, it would hurt him hurt his in the ratings. If, yeah. he w- <laughs> if he went out and went public without being on TV, if he just did an interview off the cuff with some reporter like Bob Herbert of New York Times and said, listen, uh, this is bullshit, you know, instead of having a camera on him all the time, because people aren't going to buy into it. Yeah. You know that as well as I do. You know what the media is. You know what oh, science yeah. is. For every... Every study we have an equal and opposite scientific opinion, okay? Yeah. And you have people looking at Greg Gutfield, who I think is he's, it's okay that he's doing that, but he's mm-hmm. doing it for the wrong reasons. I think he's doing it for the entertainment value, yeah. and he could do so much more, okay? Yeah. He could get out there and really blast him and name names like I've done with Dick Durbin and Barbara Boxer and, and with you know, Carl Waxman and Jay Rockefeller. I want to blast these people, and I know that's not politically correct, which is why nobody's hearing from me anymore right, because right. nobody wants to put up with my bullshit that's going to make a difference and help the industry. So I believe I'm that. stuck between a rock and a hard place. I believe that. By the way, uh, let, let, let me bring something else up uh, that was that was mentioned in the chat. Democrats versus Republicans, who is pro-ESIG? I, I believe, again, this is another situation where whoever's in power will go the other way. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not a fan of politics anyway. I, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to vote again until somebody comes along that I can believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tell that to my family, and they get all... The hair on their neck that stands up because if you, if you don't vote, you can't bitch. Yeah, yeah hell, I can. Yeah. I can bitch all I want. I'm 65 years old now, and I know exactly what I want. I do agree it's going to go the right way. I think it's going to go yeah. if we can see the uh, Republican Congress, if they can get moving right now, and the only reason why they can't get moving as the new Republican Congress since January is that they're stumbling and they're falling and they're trying to you know, you know, know, get their sea legs, okay? I do feel that when you with Boehner in there, with him being a smoker, and I do know that if we get the truth out and we can dispel all the myths, the 15 or 18 myths that are out there that run every day, including the new one with formaldehyde, you know, if you get Greg Connolly a rope, you get me a rope, you let us run with it, we won't hang ourselves. Gregory is so smart. Gregory knows exactly. He's tuned. He is. He's. He's tighter than I am. Okay, yeah. and he doesn't get as excited as I do because he's a lawyer. Yeah. He knows that. I. I'm not trained. All I am is somebody who's lived my life. But I do believe I'm good with politicians. I know every politician in the last 20 years who's against tobacco, and I know what they stand for, and I know where they're getting their money. Okay, I can do this. By, by the way, I think I think I think you've scared your cat, and I think you've also scared <laughs> M because I think she's she's hiding <laughs> under a blanket. In her bedroom, so we're not. <laughs> we, need sca- we need to scare people, and I don't mean M, and I don't mean my heroes. I got a lot of heroes, you know, Jimmy. I got, I got so, I got so many heroes, you know, that that I've worked with for years. Chris Snowden, the Bill Gibsons, even Bill Godshaw, Michael Siegel. These people have have stood the test of time. Yeah, Audrey Silk yeah. and Frank Davis and Elaine and Alan Beard. Dave, all these people are waiting for me, you know, to open my mouth. Doug Hughes, Mark Burt, Aaron Fraser. These are all people who know me, and if they don't like me, they would tell me, but they don't. I want somebody to tell me, you're full of shit, Dave. You don't know what you're talking about, but don't stop using me because I'm intimidating. That's what we you're need, right. isn't it? Don't I, we need I to think, intimidate I think, these? I think, I think we do. By the way, 347-308-8329. I see we have a couple callers on the line. Press 1 if you want to participate with any questions or comments. Let me bring up another post that you had on your wall that was, that was pretty telling. Uh, keep jumping irresponsibly forward with new gadgets to fuel the fire caused by what you could have been a, a life-saving and life-changing device to help millions. You couldn't keep it simple and explainable. No, you had to develop money-making schemes to entice a few instead of trying to help millions. The e-cig and vaping community really did lose sight of what could have been a miracle. Uh, 
explain that a little bit in, into more detail what you're trying to say by that statement. All right. Well, first of all, I don't know how to use a uh, personal vapor. I got two of them given to me when I was in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like them. My buddy Rick Bender, with half a, the man with half a face, you met Rick. Okay. He has a store. He loves it. He uses it. I don't because I quit smoking and I don't need it. I like to mm-hmm. do it for shits and giggles. Okay. I, like, I wanted to learn about it. I wanted to try it. I still like my nicotine. Mm-hmm. Okay, but when things started happening, and I started seeing what do we have now, and even in Vapor's Digest with Pat Butson, who I like, I like Pat. I mean, I, I've never really given him any long-term conversations, but he wants to do an interview at some time sooner than later. Guy. I've been trying to reach since October. But the thing is, with all of these new things that are going on with the do coils and the quads and the vape <laughs> junkies and the twisting wires on screws around the REA and the IGO, all these things, the 32 micro coil op, this is what I'm talking about. The American public, about 75% of them, don't have a clue of what the frig we're talking about, yeah, okay? Right. Even in my own family, you know, because I don't talk about it every day. They don't see me with a vapor in my hand every day, walking around trying flavors, but God bless you if you want them. That's what you do. I just think we need to straighten out the house with the cigar likes and the very simple ones that people yeah. can understand. But what do we see? And every ad that I see, I see a big cloud of smoke, okay? And it certainly is going to be vapor, plausible vapor. for somebody who's who's anti-vaping or anti is going to see that as being a possible negative. You can't Everything stop it though, David. You can't stop it. That's a lifestyle. That? You know, you can't stop it. And that's the, that's the thing that I'm trying to say. I'm not I'm not completely disagreeing with you here, okay? But, you well, know, no, if, but if we start if we start telling people how to vape, right? We're doing basically what the government's trying to do. And they're trying to regulate the way that we're oh, going to enjoy I, our I, nicotine. I don't I know. I don't care, if, but if every picture the peep the public does sees is a big cloud of smoke, okay? It's going to look to them, the public who doesn't know and isn't educated, mm-hmm. that it's not harmful, okay? I know it's not harmful. You know it's not harmful. I was in Chattanooga. I saw the room filled with... It didn't bother me one bit. Right. I have asthma. I have COPD. It didn't bother me one bit. But I am a true test of time that says, hey, I've learned. I've educated myself. The 75% of the American people who just look at somebody and they associate smoking with vaping and they're nasty and they're degenerates and they're losers... When they see that constantly, they're going to be a plausible effect for the antis to come after and say, see all that smoke in there? You don't see that even yeah. with regular cigarettes, a big puff, puff of cloud. It, hurt, it hurts so the ideology need- factor, and I think that's something that, that Greg uh, talked about in the interview yesterday. And I've talked about this with Dr. F as well, too. It's very hard to convince these people that have made up their minds that when they see that coming out of your mouth, they think it's smoke and they automatically relate it to cancer. It's just That's something right. that is very, very hard to change. I, I don't think those people like Stanton Glantz. So I think ideology has a lot to do with Glantz, aside from the money that he gets. But I think his ideology has a lot to do with the way that he perceives himself, is that you're, not, you're never going to be able to change them. You're never going to be able to change their perception. But, you, but yes, you are, Damien. That's my point. The point is, what if I was to go out there with Rick Bender, okay, or me, just sitting there, dress myself, clean myself up a little bit, you know, shave my face, Get back up there with some good, reputable magazine journalist reporter and say, this is Dave Rose, the former Winsman. This is what he's vaping. There's nothing in here that's harmful. Okay, everything is generally regarded as safe. The toxins and poisons and gases and irritants are non-existent. We don't have it. Let me say that. Let me be a face for you guys, for the industry, but not all the time, but be enough to where the public starts coming around and saying, well, he's doing it. You know, we know who he is because he helped the tobacco industry get shut down, which he really didn't. But that's the perception that yeah. we, somehow the tobacco industry has now been punished. The big tobacco has been punished because they had to pay $246 billion. No, 
they've raised the price of cigarettes 48 cents a pack across the board. The only one suffering is the smoker. The so people that are paying for it, I absolutely. need to say, continue to say what I've been saying for 30 years on either side of the fence, wherever it's appropriate, because it's true. Okay, and what I was talking about, you know, moving forward, let's fix what we have already available before we keep trying to find new things that are going to cause the uh, people like Pat who needs to sell ads. Let's put some true stories in there like the, he does, but we need more of that than we do advertisements. That's yeah. all I was trying how, to how, say. How, how important, and, and being on both sides of the fence, as you've been with the tobacco companies and the, and the antis, how important do you think lobbying is? How important do you think is money into state-by-state state legislation right at this moment? Mm. Is it more important than federal? Mm, I, I, that's a tough question right now because I, I probably would have to talk to you uh, a little bit more about that. Because here's, here's what I'm thinking. I think it's important, but I think there's, gonna, there's not enough money yet because right now the e-cig industry and the vaping community is what, $3 billion industry? Uh, let's say five Somebody's at, at most. Money. Yeah, it's not a lot. How much? Let's say $5 billion. Okay, five billion. Okay, somebody's got that money. Okay, and to pay a lobbyist, it's I don't know if it's thirty thousand a quarter, ten thousand. I have no idea. I'll yes, tell you what we're paying in, in, in Tennessee. It's it's fifty thousand a year for defensive stuff. Okay, well let me just can I just tell you what happened to me in Chattanooga? Sure, go ahead. When I was down, when I was on the panel for seven minutes, mm-hmm. okay, I sat there next to Greg and Julie and 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 uh, Paul. What's his name? Gorman, Pamela Gorman, Pamela Gorman, yeah. and down the line, and then you had a lawyer down there. I spoke for what, six or seven minutes? Seven minutes, You yeah. gave me the microphone, and you introduced a very nice introduction. I spoke for six or seven minutes, and it wasn't even over, and the lawyer that was hired by Kevin Skipper for Vista came down to me and said, would you say that at our, night, our next state legislature meeting? Yeah. Of course I would say it. Okay, yeah, but why can't I say it without a lobbyist? Why can't I go in there and get the public and get the media to follow up with an organization that's not fighting with another organization or bad-mouthing another organization. That's why I keep shot my mouth shut, because I don't want to fight. I don't want to argue. I want to train, educate, and I want this to be an educational experience for everybody who's looking to quit. So I think it's important, Demi, but I don't think it's the end-all and be-all, because I do know my facts. I do know that the FDA has their guidelines already set in play. The script has been written. I, I agree with you 100% set. on that. Okay, but... <laughs> But that doesn't mean we can give it to them, hand it over right, right. freely without any fight. Okay, we have to keep it a fair fight, and they're playing dirty. You know, the only way I could have passed an algebra test when I was in high school is if I cheated. Okay, because I was lousy at it. Okay, and right now we have 75% of the American people and the world population who sees a bunch of people who are vaping and clouding and, and enjoying themselves and getting healthier, but they don't know why. So we have to tell them. And Greg Conley doing one show for NPR one day, once a month, is not going to do it. Julie Wester or Phil Damon, you and me, you know, going out there and your buddy with Phil Bissardo, you have a following, Demi, and that's why you're the only one that I ever talked to. Okay, because you call me. The other people don't even bother to call me, which is fine because I obviously I'm I am intimidating and I'm a loose cannon, and they don't want to be guilty by association. M M M is literally shivering right now. I mean, she's M is like literally. (laughs) I wish I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me if I'm wrong. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. Not Well, nobody 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 tells me I'm. That's what hurts me so bad. If I was wrong and if I was. You know, so intimidating that people wouldn't talk to me. I can carry on a conversation calmly, but you get me excited when I'm talking about saving people's lives, and I know what I know, and I've seen what I've seen, and I've heard what I've heard, and nobody will talk to me. I mean, how upsetting would you be? 
know? I, I think that you have a voice, and that's why I invite you. But I always like to educate myself as well, too. The, the people that I, see, that I speak, whoever I speak to, I like to get the information, and I like to use that information. I believe that you have something to say. The problem is that where we're at right now in the state, I totally agree with you that the one interview that, that Greg is going to give in the NPR is not going to erase the uh, a thousand bad stories that were written publicly and all the mainstream media news stations across the United States with a formaldehyde story. It's just not going to erase it. It's something, but it's definitely not nowhere near the level that we need to be. And, and now, you're, you're right, but how much puffing can Greg Conley do before he gets frustrated again? Because Greg could do this every day and win. He could he could bury these people with his smarts and with his knowledge and what I mean his homework. He's he's young too. I mean he's a young guy. I'm old. I already played this rodeo. Okay, I don't want to get. I can't be as involved as he is. Because, but his passion is obvious, and so is Julie's and Alex's and all the other people who I may not agree with on everything. Okay, right, right. as what? But Greg Conley could do this every single day and it still wouldn't be enough we need one in every state we need aaron frazier's you know we need the stefan didacts and the mark burton we need to be calling the people the bullshit liars that they are and i know it's not politically sensitive but who yeah, cares i know i, I, know. I call dick durbin and I call Richard Blumenthal the biggest effing liars out there because they are. They don't like it. They don't call me. We don't do lunch. I don't care because yeah. they are lying. So and they so need to be put in their place and held accountable. We've, we've brought up the issues, and we know what the problem is. And, and you know, what I want now is I want a suggestion. I mean, what, what do you suggest we do? I, I suggest that we would get 20 people together, okay, 20 of the most outspoken people who have knowledge, who have the research, who have a following, and we all come together as a summit somewhere for a weekend for two days and do nothing but brainstorm about the media and get yeah. the media aware of what we're doing and let them be aware, be told a few things to be brought into the fold because we are going to announce that civil disobedience is not far away yeah. because it is. Yeah. You know, people are, it's just like, it's like texting and driving. You know, we got all these laws that you can't text and drive. Well, I see everybody texting and driving every day. Okay, it's horrible, it's wrong, they shouldn't do it, but they are. Yeah. It's the same thing with vaping. If everybody who vapes just went ahead without blowing huge clouds, but making it a little bit more subtle, if we just started doing it on a regular basis, let them, let them get us some attention. Then we talk about the yeah. proof that we do have. You have a point, David. Have. You have a point, David. However, we, we're lacking two things. We're lacking the passion. I mean, see what Russ tried to do in New York City. Try to do civil uh, disobedience. Try to get all these vapors. I mean, New York City. Are you kidding me? How many thousands of vapors are there? He's trying to get these people out in, 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 in Central Park to vape to get arrested in. Five freaking people show up. Five people in the entire city of New York with millions of people there. And then, and then, and then the other issue that we have, that's one, right? And then the other issue that we have is money. Right, because mm-hmm. for for whatever reasons, and like I said, that the community and, and advocacy groups have done a lot of mistakes. I think over the past five six years, you know, ever since advocacy was born in this in this sector, but trying to gather money is is an extremely difficult task, uh, especially in a community where everybody's so doubtful about what people are doing and what they're doing with the money. And I can't blame them. I'll be honest with you. I can't. Bl- you know, it's very hard to sell advocacy, especially when people don't see what the results are going to be, but. How do you compete against a $90 billion tobacco industry and a $180 billion pharmaceutical industry in this country with, with you know, realistically, our sector, I call the open vapor sector, about a two, $2.5 billion industry, and I think that the signal like now has dropped about $1.3. So we have $2.5 billion industry that's fighting up against almost $300 billion of opposition. Not This is just opposition of direct competition, which is cigarettes and pharmaceutical products, not to mention yeah. the competition that we're facing from the states themselves and the governments that are losing money from tobacco taxes. How do we, how do we fight that? 
Well, here's what I did. Here's what we could do again. In 1988, I, I went public on television, local show. I said, I'm quitting smoking. Winston Man quit smoking. Okay? Just like that. And with, within one day, I was on CBS This Morning with Harry Smith. I was on Joan London. I was on every talk show imaginable in 1988. It took one day of me saying what I said to cause the anti-tobacco movement to get its legs and start moving forward. Okay? Me. Okay? I'm not bragging. And there were certainly a lot of smarter people than I was. We had the Surgeon General. We had the American Cancer Lung and Heart. They've been fighting for three or four years to try to... It takes one person with a face to do something that everybody else can support. I, I expect people to support what I do if they agree with me. If they don't agree with me, I'm, I'm spinning my wheels, okay? Yeah. But people do agree with me. And I can calm down, and I can be a loaded, unloaded cannon. I can be loud, but I don't have to be destructive, okay? I don't want to be destructive. That's why I kept my mouth shut. We have to have a face for the vaping community. It doesn't have to be Jenny McCarthy or Stephen Dorff or Halle Berry. Or, Jenny McCarthy's kind of hot. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Jenny McCarthy's kind of hot. I don't know. Well, okay. In yeah, that milk way. Okay. <laughs> I'm just but kidding. doing it for the That's, wrong reason. I, I know, I know. I'm just right kidding, reason. David. I'm just kidding. Okay. Okay, and, and I know I'm 64 years old. I'll be 65 in April. I've had my time in the sun. I can put the phone down. I can turn my computer off, and I can go play with my grandkids and my dog and my kids and have a wonderful uh, life. I think, I think the electronic cigarette and the vaping community has a wonderful opportunity to give the uh, comeuppance to the anti-tobacco people who I know and I could expose and I could do it, but I need support. I can't do it alone. I need a support mechanism and a group that can help me get out there and have help me write some of the letters I need to write or some press releases. I'm good at certain things. I'm not good at business. I've never been a business person. Okay, I've well, been a people we'll person. Tr- we'll try to make that happen, David. I promise you that we're going to well, try I'm to make it happen. Just, I you, try. Have to, you have to do what you have to do. You have to have a face for the vaping. Yeah. And it, it either has to be Greg Conley or you, or Phil, or somebody who doesn't have, who has cojones, or M, Phil's a or, good somebody, looking guy. or Jarhead, Jarhead Girl, yeah. somebody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what side of the pond you're on. M has some cojones, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> well, we David, I believe that we need a spokesperson. I really do. I, I believe we need multiple spokespeople to, to be able to, okay, on, 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 on demand, to be able to get out there and combat, especially in interviews and mainstream media. I think we really need some faces, people like Greg that are very well-versed, that can answer on the fly, that don't dodge questions, they're educated on the topic, and, um, and they can be a little bit aggressive as well, too, because... You know, don't let's not forget that these opposition has, uh, you know, they've hired PR firms to train them on how to speak and how to take over conversations, and it's been proven in time and time again. Listen, I don't want to keep you too long. I really, really appreciate you coming on, and just the fact that we're getting that this this discussion out there just going to make people talk, and and if something comes from it, great. If not, you know, until next time. I it think is uh, what it, is. it is what it is, right? We're going to keep on vaping. We're going to try yep. to keep on helping people. Uh, David Gorlitz, okay. follow him on Facebook. David Gorlitz, you can follow his posts as well. He always has something insightful to say. Thank you for joining us tonight, David. And My pleasure. Go take nice care of that kitty. Good luck to you. Thank, thanks, David. There he goes, everybody. Bye-bye. David Gorlitz. Uh, and, and what do you think? I mean, I know he's a little bit of a loose cannon, okay? I mean, it, it, that's, I think that's obvious. Uh, yeah. the, but the reason, why, you know, and the last time I had him, it was the same way. And the reason why I bring him on, because he does raise a couple of good points. I mean, you have to admit. Uh, yeah, yeah, it takes him 15 minutes to explain the point. But he does raise some really good points. Yeah, he does. I, it's, it's strange for me because I remember I was little. I was only probably eight or nine years old when this, this was all happening. My dad was a Winston smoker. Uh-huh. I remember the little, you know, Winston packs all over the house and stuff. 
so I kind of remember vaguely all of this happening with him, you know, him being on um, posters and stuff in the gas stations, and then all of this kicking off, and now Winston Man is, you know, anti-tobacco and stuff. But I do agree with him. he he is a loose cannon, but it's also something that's um, we're kind of lacking. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. That is fantastic what you said, Em. I mean, I really believe that we're missing this. I think this political correct, and let's, oh, let's be careful what we say. Let's be careful what the antis are going to do. Let's not give information. I think we need to stop that because it hasn't worked for us so far. No, it's not working, and it hasn't been working for, you know, for years. I see a lot of it because I'm really active on Twitter, and a lot of the UK activists or advocates are on Twitter. And a lot of us are concerned about, oh, we've got to be nice to these people because they're not engaging with us. Regardless if we're nice to them or not, I have a whole list of, you know, people that are blocked um, by public health officials and people in tobacco control that have never even communicated with these people in public health. And they're just, you know, average Joe Blows that have been blocked for no reason. It doesn't matter how you approach them. If they don't want to listen to you, they're not going to listen to you. I, um, by the way, did you know that I'm the president of the Staten Glance uh, Twitter Block Club? I founded that last year. I founded that last year. If you want to come on the board, we have positions available. Yes, but uh, <laughs> but seriously, uh, let's roll the dice. Is what I'm saying. That's that's yeah. the that's why I want David to come on. I don't want him to come on. I mean, I mean, I know I know he feels frustrated that he hasn't been used in the community. Okay, and for whatever reason, I understand that. Okay, I'm not I'm not dumb. And I know that he wants to have a position there. I know he wants it. And he wants to get paid, rightfully so. I don't blame him. But he yeah. does raise that point. Like, let's roll the dice because for sure as hell, everything that we've done so far hasn't really worked. And prove me wrong. Prove me what, what, what all the advocacy groups have been doing so far. And, and the tactics that we take. Even the AVA, by the way. And I have to bring this up. Kevin messaged me the other day, and he said once they saw, once they heard Greg on the radio, and and Reg, Greg got some play on ABC. Uh, the, you know, one of his AVA quotes was used on ABC. Vendors start messaging Kevin for the AVA, and they want to come on board now. You think they yeah. want to come on board because you know it was Greg? They want to come on board for the marketing part of it. They're seeing that the AVA is picking up some steam. And now, all the, yeah. where were you a year ago when we launched this thing, and, we, and Kevin was begging for money to get this thing going? You know, yeah. so I mean, I, it has not worked. The AVA model works, but it needs a lot of money. In order to have that PR firm, it's going to be able to position Greg in that gut-filled seat, in that Fox News studio, to be able to give that, that, that interview that's going to smash the opponent. We don't, don't have the money yet. No, we don't have the money, but there's also there's also time and place for like what Greg does. Greg is, you know, like I said before, he's really personable, he's really approachable, and he knows what he's talking about. And he can get his point across relatively calmly without freaking out. But we also need the people that are willing to freak out, like Dave, that are going to say, this is what's happening. I don't give a shit what anybody else is telling me. You need to listen to me. And that's something that people need. I think that's point. something that will get airplay because that's how media yeah. works. I imagine David going on TV and losing his shit and going fucking crazy, right? Because he will. I've seen it. And I think that every news media is going to play it. And no publicity is bad publicity, in my opinion, when it comes to e-cigs. I think yeah. that he can fill that role of being, even with a loose cannon that he is, I think he can get either get publicity for the product itself. I mean, can you imagine the headlines, right? Former Winston Mann, a guy that promoted cigarettes for 20 years, goes crazy on Fox News in, uh, in favor of e-cigs. Even if he went crazy, it's the actual publicity and the marketing that we're going to get out. I think it's going to just draw more media attention, and that's what yes. we're horribly lacking at. Yeah. The other thing, speaking of this whole media attention, I don't know um, if you caught on to what I had written about um, when the whole formaldehyde story came out. 
I, I was up at like freaking four o'clock in the morning here. It was, you know, like, I don't know, midnight or 11 in the, in the States. And I was actually watching um, the Twitter feeds coming out with this formaldehyde story. And I kid you not, these news agencies are either running massive PR campaigns or they have got a lot of people um, pretty much just pushing this information Smart. out onto Twitter and social networks. Yeah. And that's something that I think that vaping advocates need to get together and start doing we, too. You know how they work, right? You can't yeah. have this story published in over 880 websites. I think we counted within 48 hours, right? Yeah. I mean, they have the money to do that. By the way, I saw a comment in, in the chat that uh, by Rachel saying that ants will blast him for his past in Big Tobacco. Who gives a shit? Who cares? Let him blast him. That's when he's really going to go off. He's going to say, yeah, I did work for the big tobacco companies for 20 years, and I sold cigarettes, but now I support big it's, it's not – nobody cares he was with big tobacco for 20 years. I think that will bring even more media attention. I can't believe how, how you don't see that, Rachel. I can't believe how some people don't see how beneficial that would be. They might dismiss him, yeah, but he'll fucking get airplay. Nobody else it's is getting airplay. It's the controversy because he's gone from smoking to anti-smoking, and now he's supporting something that looks like smoking again. It's going to be the total controversy. He's like a great conglomeration of just things that don't mix together. The government and the ants will completely ignore it. Who cares? We don't care about the government and the ants. No matter who we're going to put out there, even Greg has dismissed as a big tobacco shield. Even the, on the radio show, the, the guy that he was opposing told him he gets paid by big tobacco. It doesn't make a difference. That is just a, just a lame excuse of people giving up. I believe that he has a place that he can get out there, even if he's attacked by big tobacco, even if, if the government, who cares? The media will love him. Just like yeah. Americans love reality TV, and that's why I have every honey boo-boo child on TV and everybody watches it. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's true. That's what people love. They love that kind of, a, you know, fury attention that it's going to bring. He has that passion to do it. And, and he's I, got the balls to take the, to take the criticism when people attack him. I do. Let me pick up this phone call here. Uh, 423, you're on the air with Smoke Free Radio. Hey, Jimmy, it's Eric. Hey, what's up? I agree. Mm-hmm. Why not make some noise? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Well, I mean, Eric, you were in I Tennessee. Mean, you got to meet David, and you know, he, he's like that when you're talking to him like, over a beer. Is he acts yeah. exactly the same, right? He doesn't change his persona. Yeah. And since I met him, you know the story that I've told you several times about the kid in Memphis. No, go ahead. And his freedom cloud and all that. And if I hadn't met Gorlitz, I wouldn't have been able to yeah. talk to that kid that way. Yeah. And now, anytime somebody in his group makes something stupid, he's on them. So uh, I, I don't think the guy can work. Bring up, bring up this this guy. Bring up this guy that you talked about when you when you visited them. By the way, Eric is the president of the Tennessee Smoke Free Association here, and a very very dear friend and my right hand man. He's done a lot here in the Tennessee Valley for for vapors. M, just in case you don't know. So, um, uh, so Eric, tell us a little bit about that story briefly about the story with the guy in Memphis. I, I went to a Memphis vape meet, and I was standing at the build table. And this kid was sitting there going, man, I love blowing my freedom clouds in Walmart. And I turned around and I said, man, that's cool. That's really awesome. Mm -hmm. Can I get your phone number? He goes, who are you? I said, well, I'm Eric Peterson. I'm with TSFA. He goes, oh, you're the guy that's going to talk today, but why do you want my phone number? And I simply said, the reason I want your phone number is I want somebody to gripe out when I can't vape in public because you are blowing your freedom clouds. (laughs) (laughs) And that got his attention yeah and i was able to talk to him and now anytime anybody in his group makes some crazy post 
like vaping in the bathroom at their pediatrics office when they've taken their daughter there. He gets it. Yeah. He understands it. Yeah. I think Gorlitz could do that too. I think so too. I think you got. I think you bring a, a good point, Eric. And and, the, and why I'm bringing it up? That's why I'm bringing it up because I do believe that he can stir up the shit, and we need some stirring up. We need to throw the dice somewhere and see if it sticks. Is it going to work? I don't yeah. know, but you what, know we got to try what at least. <laughs> what would it hurt? <laughs> that's exactly right. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, Eric. Thanks for calling in, buddy. I appreciate it, and I'll uh, see you uh, this thanks. weekend. Eric yep, Peterson, yep. president of the Tennessee Smoke Free Association. But, you know, I, I I think that a lot of people would support something like this. I think a lot of people would be willing to take a chance on this, and it probably have to be community-driven because, obviously, all the advocacy groups that are out there are, are afraid of them, and they, they want to approach them. Yeah something to brainstorm about definitely yeah let's get together let's get stefan didak yes for somebody that doesn't have a lot of hair he has really good ideas in his head yes he does <laughs> i like Stefan. he does he does a good job uh, a couple of points that i want to bring up uh if you've listened to russ rant about enjoy the last couple of weeks i want to put my two cents in and um because I, I made a post the other day on my facebook i didn't even mention enjoy in the original post uh, my my post was when this big formaldehyde story broke. Um, I, I made a post and asking where the big stick battery companies defending their products, because a they have more money than us. Do, is that a fact, uh, M? Yeah, they do. I mean, Mystic Logic. We're talking about you know multi million dollar companies. Yeah. And, uh, and and I was a little bit discouraged. Not I was raising the awareness by when I make posts like this on Facebook. I'm not trying to bash anybody. I'm trying to raise awareness. I'm asking, where are they to get out there in the national news, see them on Fox News with their representatives, because they have the power to do it. Where are they to defend the accusations of formaldehyde in their products? Nobody spoke. Nobody spoke. Um, I I don't think I've actually seen any official response from any company other than the advocacy groups about the formaldehyde thing. Right. I mean, all I saw was, and that's what I said in my post, I saw, I saw Greg, I saw Svada, I saw, I saw everybody getting out and they're doing their part, whatever each one can do based on the budget and the and the manpower that they have. Mm-hmm. Even us, vapors and advocates, got out there and tried to defend the product, made posts, tweeted, tried to bring the raisins. We were posting on all the news channels here in Tennessee that brought up the story. So my, my post was to bring awareness. All of a sudden, uh, a salesperson for the, which I didn't know at the time he was a salesperson, somebody that sells their juice, um, his name is, uh, I think, Jonathan Dav- Davenport. Starts attacking me on, on my Facebook post, <laughs> uh, speaking on behalf of Enjoy. I mean, the way that he was replying to his post, I thought he was, you know, up high in VP. And I think what Jonathan <laughs> might, might have missed in his, his employee meetings was that uh, I was in New York at the Enjoy headquarters about two months ago. And I sat down with Jeff and, and the VP of marketing, Eric, and we had a very long discussion. Uh, I, and, and I believe Enjoy is our ally. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, I work very, very closely with uh, with uh, Brian and Pamela. They're, they're lobbyists. Uh, I do a lot of back, behind-the-scenes work with them. In fact, I was talking to Brian just the other day on the phone concerning the Tennessee situation here. But yeah. I've said publicly that I'm with them 75%, 80%, just like I am with a lot of the groups. Do I agree with everything Kassad does? No. Do I agree with everything that Svada does? No. But I agree enough with them to be able to walk side-by-side side with them to fight for this product. And I feel exactly the same way about Enjoy. Right. You can't erase the past, okay? You can't erase the past, whatever injury has done, the good and the bad. 
And you certainly can't erase the fact that it's a corporation that's owned by you know shareholders and it's not owned by vapors. That is the biggest difference between Enjoy and every other vaping company out there that's struggling trying to survive these days. Yeah. Right? But when you when you have an employee, right, come and attack me on Facebook, somebody that has dedicated their life to this product, it just makes you and the company look foolish. Uh, in fact, Jeff did call me that night and apologized and made it, Jonathan make a half-assed apologize <laughs> on my Facebook. Obviously, he was told to write that on there. But, yeah. you know, and I, I took it for what it is. I even told him, that listen, it's no problem, no hard feelings. You know, it is what it is. It's Facebook. People get behind, a, you know, a keyboard and they think that they're they're invisible and they're, and they're powerful. Right. But when it comes to stuff like this, and I'm talking about the positive PR, we are lacking by these big companies. So I bring the question for the community that's why I make that post. I bring up, do they know something that we don't know? David hit on it earlier. I've said it here for the last two, three years. Do they know that the FDA has predetermined what they're going to do? That is my question. And I think it's a question that it's a valid question to pose out there to the big companies that are out there. And We don't see Mystic Logics, uh, 21st Century, Vaporfies. We don't see these companies, multi-million dollar companies, joining the fight like we fight. So why, am? why is my question, do they know something that we don't know? Do they know what the predetermined status by the FDA is on the final deeming regulation product? That, oh, God. My only thing is because, you know, we've got the TPD going on over here, and it basically aims just to keep nothing or and it aims to keep pretty much Sigalix on the market, and that's it. Sure. And so, so you've got companies like E-Lights over here. And, um, I can't stand the E-Lights guy, by the way. I can't <laughs> stand him. And I've met him twice, and both times I want to throw up. Both well, of them. But... <laughs> and he just sold to Japan Tobacco International, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. I met the, I... The, the, the VP of the Japan Tobacco International, by the way, too. He was vaping <laughs> on a Ego and a Mini Aero Tank, by the way. Just want to put that out there. Go ahead. Really? Yeah. Interesting. But I think I think what it comes down to, like with the TPD, um, these companies that manufacture just pretty much cigalikes know that regardless of what happens, they're still going to be protected in a small way. So the TPD is basically designed to shut down anything that's Generation 2, Generation 3 e-cigs, anything over 2 mils in any open vaping system whatsoever. So you've got these cigalike companies that are like, oh, okay, so that's cool. Our product's going to be all right. We don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to fight for anything. Just let it go. And I think that's probably, I don't know what's going on inside them, but I think that's probably the main reason that they don't get involved is because they know that no matter what happens. They're going to win either way. The, the <laughs> most that's going to happen is that Gen 2 and Gen 3 is going to be banned or outlawed or whatever you want to call it, right. and Sigalikes are going to be okay. 972, you're on the air with M and Dimitri on Smoke Free Radio. Good evening, Dimitri. It's your old fart buddy, Jake. Hey, Jake, what's going on, buddy? Nothing. I just wanted to call in and, uh, number one, say welcome to M. Um, (laughs) That's sweet. Watch out for Jake, M. Nice to have representation from the other side of the pond in your program. Thank you. you Welcome aboard, M. Um, Don't let them scare you. You should be scared of Jake. He's an old me. perv. Yeah. <laughs> be scared of me. Don't be scared of Dimitri. Uh, I just, one thing I wanted to chime in on, Dimitri, is the lack of the big guy saying anything references formaldehyde. To me, that was just so strange that yeah. the only people jumping up and down was the community and not the, not the vendors. 
Yeah. Uh, well, that's that was part of my post, Jake. That's why I that's why I raised that question on Facebook. I'm concerned as well too. And I see Doug saying that they put a lot of money into advocacy, and I agree with you 110. percent I know better than you, Doug. I work with Brian and Pamela very very closely. I know that, right? However, the issue here yeah. that we have is that we're getting killed in media. Right? I mean, we're getting killed in mainstream media right now. This is where we really need to use those dollars to be able to put people into position to combat. The formaldehyde and why? Wow, what's happening in California? You're in that state and you saw the announcement today. We have nothing to combat that. So all I'm saying is, and I'm not I'm not singling out Enjoy here. Don't get that wrong. Don't please don't get me wrong. I'm singling out every big company out there that didn't stand up. Not once did I see it anywhere in mainstream media to say this formaldehyde story was bullshit. Yeah. There's yeah. No and you know, a press release like AVA does, right? They, right. Greg puts out this press release. Put one out there from some of the manufacturers. Hell, you know, Baker Vapor, somebody. Somebody, some big company out there should be saying something other than just the community and the very small advocacy groups. I just think that it's it's just sort of... It's scary, Jake, obvious. is what it is. Yeah, yeah that's, it's scary. I guess that's the word I'm at. For me, it's scary. Hell, it's their business. And if anybody doubts my advocacy in this group, that's the reason why I brought it up. Because for me, as an advocate, and as somebody that's passionate, I find it scary. What? Why not? Why not take this advantage with the money that you have? I mean, they spend all this money money on on, on TV advertising. Uh, they spend all this money on 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 sponsorship of, of various events around the, the world. Why not spend some of that money to come out and say, "Hey, listen, this story is bullshit. It was funded by trial attorneys." Why? Because at the end of the day, Jake, no matter what happens, the only people that are going to lose are me and you. That's why. That's my yeah, that's a, again. Part. Again, that that is my opinion, not the opinion of M or Jake or VP Live Network. That's the opinion of Dimitri. And if I I will not throttle my opinion for nobody, for no enjoy, for no fucker, I'm not going to throttle my opinion. I'm going to keep saying it as long as I have this microphone and the public way to say it. I have been critical for a reason because that is the truth. That is the honest to God truth, and I'm not going to throttle myself for it. That's pretty There's no simple. reason why these companies didn't have a press release to counter that formaldehyde story yeah. ready within 24 hours, and there should have been at least 15, 20 press releases coming out from these big companies, right, right. and not a single one of them addressed it. Yeah, you're, you're, another, another interesting thing, too, is the formaldehyde story really wasn't that big of a deal over here in the U.K. It wasn't majorly reported over here. Yeah, because the, the trial attorneys in the United States, they can't practice law. <laughs> That's why... <laughs> Yeah, they don't have you a, know, I didn't uh, even realize that they were trial the attorneys until my friend Fergus in, in Germany outed it on his blog. And, and Doug, brought this yeah, up, Doug, Doug brought it up correctly. They're afraid of say, saying the wrong thing. You can't be, and I'm not afraid to say the right thing or the wrong thing. I'll post it up there, and I'll let the vapors make their own educated decision. I, you know, my what my opinion is, this is my opinion. You, you like it, you don't like it, you can turn off the radio, you can unfriend me on Facebook, stop following my posts. I really couldn't give a shit. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. But I'm not going to throttle myself because I did get a couple of messages people saying, oh, I heard Russ saying this about Enjoy and they think it's your opinion. I'm not, I don't throttle Russ. His own mother can't throttle Russ. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he says his own opinion. But I'm going to say what my opinion is, and I believe that I'm with Enjoy 75%, just like I am with every other group that fights for this product. I don't agree with everybody 100%. And in fact, in fact, M and Jake, I told that to the face of Jeff and Eric when I was in that office in Enjoy. I told them exactly the same thing. What my feelings are with Enjoy, I think that you're with us. I think you're going to help us, but I do have my reservations. Well, yeah, and I think that they they sort of made their bed a, a year and a half or so ago, right? They, they and now they've turned a, a leaf. Sure. And all of a sudden, they're our best sure. buddies. But 
and I agree with you. I think that you know, seventy five percent said, "Yeah, they're they're helping," mm-hmm. but but they got to turn that around from what they did. I am going to sleep with one eye open. That's all I'm saying. That's all okay, I'm saying, Jake. Go. There you go. All right. There you uh, go. Hopefully, right. I'll see you in Texas, Jake. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Yeah. Have a good one. Say hello to your Thanks. lovely wife. Thanks, Thanks Jake. What a Hi, great guy. What a great guy. Two one nine. You're on the air with Smoke Free Radio. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, what's up? Who's this? Uh, not too much. Um, hey, I was just calling because. Uh, what is your name? What is your name first? I don't know who I'm talking about. Uh, James Martin. Oh, hey, James. I, just want to, I, I thought you were going to call in through Skype. That's why. I'm sorry. You got me confused. The reason why I wanted you to jump in, James, oh, okay. when you brought this up. I, I actually did in for my Skype number. Um, oh, did you? Okay, okay. We've got that Indiana passage right now. Right. I, I'm going to bring that up. I want to bring that up. having a meeting. I want to bring that up. Okay. Briefly, briefly. I just want to touch on <laughs> the reason why I want you to jump in is obviously the Indiana thing. Okay. And, and the thing about the, what you said about the city likes, right? Is it predetermined, James? Right. This is the, this is the only question that I'm posing to you, and and I, I believe that yeah. you your heart's in the right place. I truly believe this, and you know you know how hard we have worked to keep open vapor alive. D- do you believe in your heart that it's predetermined mm-hmm. by the FDA that the Sigalite product is already made the determination that this is the easiest way to regulate this product and fuck the rest? Uh, I don't believe determined, but I believe it's going to be a hell of a lot easier for them to get that that path to approval process, which is so convoluted for any other open system product, um, is going to be a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. And I think CV's companies resting on their laurels when the majority of their products are, you know, these closed product, uh, closed cardamizer yeah. designs. Um, and you see. Even the ones that are jumping into e-liquid, like loose juice sales, mm-hmm. if you look at like some of the big companies that produce cigalikes that are now entering open systems, they're not going at it full throttle. Right. Um, they're they're producing a small juice line, maybe something that they can uh, they can do without. Should should the FDA ruling uh, deem it necessary for just closed systems? Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I think it's right there on the border. They can't lose either way. If it goes the other way, they're ready to go. What's really alarming to me is seeing people within the community start closed air product systems, which is happening now, right? So I'm seeing a little bit of that yeah. with a CTS system that's coming out and another, another few things that are coming out in, in the future that I did see in China. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about maybe, maybe, just maybe there's that one possibility they know something that I don't know, and that is what keeps me up at night. Let's bring up the Indiana thing, by the way, which is a really, really bad deal. And and I have some information with you that I've been sharing with a couple people in Indiana that I want to share with you as well, too. Uh, obviously, we, if you have not followed uh, what's happening in Indiana, please, James, fill us in, uh, and especially about the, the hearing that's happening tomorrow, which is surprisingly so fast. Yeah, so uh, Thursday, January 29th, there's going to be a meeting at 8:30, prior to the main um, the main meeting in hearing room 233. Uh, this is 200 West Washington Street in Indianapolis, Indiana, and basically uh, this uh, this bill that is in process right now would be acquiring e-liquid manufacturers in Indiana to go through some very big of um, uh, background checks. And, and it's prohibitively expensive. And uh, the background checks are a state and a federal level. I also have the right to come in, inspect your facility, test your liquids, et cetera. And, and, and there is no precedent 
set for this in any other state. So uh, here's what I find alarming about that. Here's what I find alarming about it, James. If you read really closely, you'll hear um, Mm -hmm. you'll read inside that they are requiring some special locks for the buildings, security cameras in place, some really funky stuff. So I did some digging. (laughs) I did some digging by a third party, no less. Right. Right, yeah, right. Security. So I did some digging. I don't live in Indiana, but that's not going to stop me from doing digging. All right, I got some information in. I want to help the Indiana Vapors. Mm-hmm. I passed all the information to Mandy, and please get with her uh, because uh, I, I think she's the one that's passing it around to the other vendors. So we did some digging, yes. and it appears that we can't find who's behind this bill. There's rumor, there's rumor, and very good speculation that this is happening by an ESIC vendor. Does that surprise wow. you? I did not know that. Well, that surprises me. I'll tell you that right now when I found out. But I started doing some digging, yeah. and I did find that there's a big, big, a uh, few big companies. I, I can't put the information because I don't have anything solid yet. But a lot of it appears to be true. There are some big companies that have some political ties, that have some multi-investments, whether it be security companies, whether it be casinos, whether it be – the whole bill is really bad. And what my speculation is, this is purely my speculation, is that – an ESIC vendor is trying to do proactive legislation in the state of Indiana based on information that he's gotten maybe from RJR or maybe he's gotten it from some big lobbying groups to benefit his business and basically put every other juice maker out of Indiana since he knows or whoever the person behind this bill is knows that they're able to sustain those regulations. That is a scary thought, my friend, because now, now our enemy list just grew <laughs> tremendously from big tobacco, pharmaceutical stick batteries now we have maybe within the industry people that are trying to create law which is something we're totally against by the way i have said it many times here be defensive and don't try to create law we're not big enough but it appears to me that somebody doesn't create law to monopolize the market and that is a great possibility my friend there in indiana yeah and in this sb 539 it was on the books i mean that's setting a precedent for other states to follow suit and uh, let's face it if they're not allowed to Tax on the profit, yeah. Well, do some do some investigating. Get with the vendors there and help and uh, see what you can come up with. But that's my my initial information. Uh, show up at this hearing. I can't believe this hearing is happening so fast. Tomorrow morning, nine o'clock, room two thirty three <laughs> at the Indiana State Capitol building. This this is unheard of. Yeah, that's, you see this all the time on C-SPAN and uh, some of the other channels like that. Uh, some of this stuff, it's a midnight pass, and also just pushing bills that they want to ease in uh, with little attention. That's what they do. Uh-huh. Um, I just want to say, Em, you did uh, great on the show. Uh, Demi, good to talk to you again. Thank and, you, uh, you know, I... I, I think God has a lot of passion. I think he could definitely be a, uh, a voice that could get some positive attention uh, from mainstream. Yeah. I agree with you, James. Thanks for your, thanks for your, uh, for your input there, and I, I totally agree with you as well. James, Inside Vaping every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. You're still doing the show on YouTube, and now afterwards you go into Vape TV now, right? For after after our show, yeah, that's correct. We did the uh, Vape TV uh, starting next Tuesday. The after show will be on Vape TV. First portion still airs on YouTube. Inside vaping on YouTube. Uh, watch the guys subscribe. They're doing a great job. Thanks, James. Have a great night, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good turnout right. in Indiana you tomorrow. Too. Thanks. 
Okay. All right. Uh, that was James Martin, Uncle Dagger, as you may know him from Inside Vaping, an ex-co-host on the vape team. Great guy, uh, M. James is, and a very passionate guy. Cool. All right. I think I've covered everything that I had to cover about uh, on my program. I want to talk a little bit about Greece, but maybe I'll just leave it for next week because it's it's really um, it's really interesting to see what uh, what the world reaction is to this uh, first ever leftist uh, you know party that uh, that got elected in Greece. And why did they get elected? Well, people got fed up, you know. And I think it's something that we really have to take a look at, maybe here in the United States. Republican, Democrats, somebody brought it up in chat yesterday. We talked about it with David Gorlitz. They're all the same shit. Maybe it's time here we create a third party or a fourth party or a fifth party. Give some competition out there. Maybe people are fed up here. No matter what you vote, it's always going to end up the same crap, you know. I think, uh, I think if anything, Greece, whether I agree with it or not, at least they, the people got so fed up that they did something about it. Yeah. And uh, and I think we definitely can uh, can have an impact here if we try to do something like that. Anyway, maybe I'll talk about it next week. We'll see what happens. Uh, M, I want to welcome you to Smoke Free Radio. Uh, again, another attempt, as I talked about on Vapor Strolls TV, to collaborate with the other side of the pond. I think you're going to bring a lot of valuable information. We're going to work on a microphone for you, too, as well, to get uh, yes. your beautiful voice to come out a little bit cleaner. But uh, overall, I think you did great on your first. Uh, I know David scared you a little bit. I know you went and hid in the closet for a few minutes. But uh, but overall, uh, you know, I enjoyed having you on. The cat was killing me. Did you hear it? <laughs> I know it did. I know I wanted to laugh too so bad. But <laughs> tears streaming down my cheeks because I didn't want to laugh. <laughs> but you know, I can just imagine David, you know, sitting there watching TV, you know, petting his cat. You know, he's just, just this larger than life character, you know, with because even at sixty five, he looks pretty damn good. You know, I saw him in Chattanooga. You know, he's a good looking guy. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't want Phil to get jealous, but he's a good looking guy for his age. But um, yeah, it. it to me, I think M, for you coming during the radio, we can we can obviously bring the EU and the U.S. situation combined because I think we need to because I think a lot of the regulations will play off each other. Yes, uh, but most of all, it's good to have a female voice to kind of you know um, break away from the the sausage monotone that I bring every week to the yeah. show. <laughs> the vape community is so full of testosterone <laughs> in more ways than one. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, vape me stupid, and that is spelled with two O's. Vape me S T O O, right? Yep. P U D at. Nope. Excuse me. P I D. P I D dot UK. C O dot UK. Check out her blog. She posts a lot of cool stuff. M, thank you for joining me here tonight on a Smoke Free Radio. And for me. Uh, my final thoughts, again, bringing David on, what is it for? Just to raise awareness. That's what my posts are for, right? My posts are to bring awareness, get people thinking. Is there something going on behind the scenes that we don't know? <clears throat> I'm sure there is. Uh, are we ever going to find out? I think the time will come that we're going to find out, and I think a lot of the things that, that people uh, have been advocating for the last couple of years will be validated. But at least raise awareness. I don't have the solution to everything, but I certainly can get a good discussion going. And to me, it is all about getting that discussion going to be able to find results, right? We are lacking in getting results done. Enough is enough. Let's roll the dice. Let's try something new. Let's try to win this thing. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Smoke Free Radio. I'll be back next week, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on the VP Live Network. Have a wonderful evening, everybody.